Hi there, I'm Corey Huff, and this is the Abundant Artist Podcast, where we teach you how to sell your art. In this week's episode of the Abundant Artist Podcast, I talked to artist Kelly Neidig about her experience learning to sell art through flyers and handwritten notes, as well as her time as president of the Portland Open Studios tour. I met Kelly through a mutual friend, and I got a chance to hear her story about her flyers and, and her art career, and she even gave me one of her flyers. Initially, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Seemed like a really simple idea, but then she told me about the results that she got from that flyer. I said, I got to have you on the podcast so you can talk about this because it's really interesting. So without further ado, Kelly Neidig. Kelly, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Excellent. So I was just mentioning that I met you a few weeks ago at uh, a little get together we had for some artists here in Portland. And you showed me uh, this neat little, uh, what do you call it, like your mailer that you put together and send to people, right? Yeah, I, I, I made a little brochure. It's a single fold on um, like 9 by 12 paper, mm-hmm. so it fits really nice in an envelope. The front cover is just a big image of one of my paintings, and then you open it up, and there's a few smaller images of paintings with a little statement and uh, selected exhibits and places where I've, my art's been collected. And then on the back is a photo of me in my studio and then just a little blurb that's pretty much designed for interior designers, just saying that I, I worked with galleries, art dealers, interior designers um, I can do commissions and then my contact information. Nice. So before we dive into more detail on how this came about, uh, I'd love it if you told everybody listening just a little bit about the kind of work that you do. I'm an abstract landscape painter is pretty much primarily what I do. Um, I've been working for the past year and a half with a paint called flash. It's an acrylic, paint created for um, murals, really, but it's very highly pigmented. And I switched over from oil paints to flash paint, and I feel like it it just has more pigment than regular acrylic, and it has a nice matte finish. Um, but my work is really about the environment, um, just the beauty of nature, my connection to places, and, and I think people's connection to places. I want the viewer to look at my paintings and be reminded of a place or get a feeling of nostalgia and be able to connect with my work that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm really glad that you talked about what the work is about as well Mm -hmm. as what you actually make. Yeah. Because I was just talking with someone else uh, earlier today about the difference between when artists talk about technique versus talking about the emotional quality behind their work. And yeah. I think that it's something that a lot of artists struggle with to talk about more than the technique. Yeah, right? it's it's hard because while you're painting, you really are just thinking about the colors and the paint that you're using, and you're thinking about the technique. I think, for me at least, more than what's the deep meaning behind my paintings. I'm sure there's definitely artists out there who have a lot of meaning in their work and and strive to convey that and are conscious of that. But I'm more thinking, are, th- are these colors working together? Is this looking like a good painting? So 
technique and, and materials are really important, but also definitely what the work is about and how I think I'm, the artist relates to the work, but how the artist also wants the viewer to relate to the work is really important. Mm -hmm. In my own artistic practice as a performer and storyteller, technique, like my vocal technique and my ability to articulate clearly and to convey certain emotion and all of that, it's something that as actors we struggle with to, you know, you want to have the most perfect, most intelligible technique that you can have, but you can also let your technique get in the way. Yeah. Where uh, it might be something like you uh, you have a, a, a dialect that's actually too clear and too well-spoken for the character that you're playing. Yeah. Right? Like maybe your character isn't, isn't very intelligent or isn't very intelligible. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. And then there's the um, worrying about the technique when you're actually on stage in front of people performing instead of worrying about the artistic expression that you're trying to create. Yeah. Does that make sense? Does that, does that sort of thing ever come up for you as a painter? Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure it does. It's just kind of hard to think about it because I get in such a zone when I'm painting, but I also like do a lot of things while I'm painting to kind of distract myself. Like I watch a lot of TV while I'm painting, which really kind of helps clear the chatter in my mind of, and and then I can just sort of let everything go and just and just paint but what, the moments that I do stop and kind of try to examine what I'm doing it, you do have to stop and make sure you're conveying the right message and and it kind of hit me when you said if you're playing like a really gruff character on stage but you're speaking very eloquently you're not making the mark and I feel like that can definitely happen in paintings. Like if you want a really loose painting, but you're, you know, you're using really tight strokes and you're trying to over perfect it, then you're missing all of the looseness. And, and that's something I definitely struggle with. Uh, and I've had, you know, teachers and stuff and gallery owners say, you know, be a little looser with your work because I, and I think a lot of, artists I've known just when I've been taking, when I take art classes have had that same problem. Like you strive to make something look so perfect, but there is a perfectness in the looseness and the sloppiness and the, Oh, this just happened. And like, let the things that just happen happen. And, and so, yeah, I guess it would be kind of like a performance where you're up on stage and you're just being in the moment and absorbing the character instead of worrying about, maybe if you're saying the exact line correctly, because when you say it, what comes natural to you, that might be more authentic. Than more true, yeah, more, and more artistically effective. Yeah. yeah. Bob Ross calls those happy little accidents. They are very happy little <laughs> accidents. <laughs> so tell me... I know that when we talked about your this mailer that you did, and we're going to throw up some pictures of the mailer on the website when we push the podcast out to the to, okay. uh, um, to the blog. So you put this together with the idea of reaching out to interior designers and decorators, right? Correct. How did you come up with the idea and conceive this? Um, I a few years ago I had met a couple artists and a few of them had done something similar. 
you know, they hired a graphic designer and spent a lot of time working on these beautiful mailers. And to me, it just seemed like it was going to be really expensive and time consuming. And, and it wasn't something that I was quite ready to do, but I sort of had it stuck in the back of my mind. And finally, last October, I decided, you know what, it's time to really make a big push to market my artwork, um, where I, I felt like I had a large enough body of work that I could market to a lot of different people, um, with, with the exception if like some interest came back with my art, I wouldn't feel like, oh, but I don't have enough art for everybody that's inquiring. So I felt like I had a large enough body of concise work that I was really proud about and was like, okay, I'm going to do this, do this little brochure. And I tried to do it as cheaply as possible. Um, by downloading a free trial of InDesign on to my computer. And I had a friend who is a graphic designer, and she kind of urged me to use InDesign and then said once I got something built, I could send it to her to look at, and she would, you know, tweak it a little bit. So I uh, Googled a YouTube video on how to create a brochure on InDesign and pretty much followed that with what I had in my head of what I wanted my brochure to look like. And when I got it pretty much where I wanted it, I sent it to my friend and she tweaked it just a little bit and sent it back to me. And the thing that I didn't want to skimp on was the printing quality of it. Um, and so I chose offset printing, which it's just a little bit nicer quality. Um, and it's a little bit more expensive, uh -huh. but it was really worth it. I think the quality of it came out really beautiful and like on a really nice thick paper. So it feels like something really substantial. And um, I chose to include a greeting card, a blank greeting card with an envelope in with the brochure as a free gift to the people that I was sending this to with my thought being, hey, I'm sending you this crap to look at. You can at least have a nice little gift out of it. Because if, if they decided to throw the brochure away, they probably weren't going to throw the greeting card away. Even if they didn't like my work, they would probably pass it on or just mail it to somebody. I like sending cards to people. I have a little stash of cards, so it kind of made sense. And it was another piece of paper to get another image of my work on to send to them. Uh-huh. Um, and then I wrapped it up really nice, and I decided that I was going to handwrite a letter to every person that I sent it to. So it took a while for me to actually get the mailers sent out. I could do about 15 a day if I was really cranking them out. But just something really simple. But I wanted it to be personable. I didn't want it to feel like people were just getting this generic packet in the mail. So I think the handwriting, just a little note to include, like, hey, I found you online. I really like your the style. I think my work fits good with you. If you have a client that would be interested, please contact me. It's just something simple um, because all the other information about who I am and about my art is in the brochure. So one of the things I've learned is to not repeat yourself in different in your different media, like not to start explaining who I am in my cover letter because they're, they're going to open the brochure and read my little statement and, uh -huh. and everything. Um, and, and I tried not to, 
be redundant with what was in my brochure as to what's on my website because hopefully from my brochure they would go to my website and, and I wanted the information to just be a little bit different. So it's just like little puzzle pieces that kind of fit together. So they're not reading the same thing and, and that they want to investigate more because then each time they'd investigate, it would be a little bit different, a little, another little snippet of my thought process or what I was doing. So, right. Yeah. That's a really good explanation of this. So when you, how did you put together your list of interior designers that you were going to work with? Because everybody, uh, frequently artists come to me and they say, Oh, I'd, I'd love to work with some interior designers, but I don't know how to get a hold of any of them. Yeah. Well, the internet I mean, is amazing. Every interior designer for the most part has a website. There are, there's like a, I can't remember what it's called. I didn't use it, but there's like the interior designer association of America that everybody, like a lot of interior designers, I think kind of have to belong to. Um, and they're listed on there, but I went, I used house.com. It's H O U Z Z. And it's a great website because every, all these interior designers have a house profile Plus, they have like all their contact information and the link to their website, projects that they've done. And then you can go on there and you can follow them. And so I just went through each city. So I'd you know, click Interior Designers Boston and just go through and follow all the ones I thought at least looked somewhat comparable to my style of art. Like my art would fit in with their designs. And then I went, then when I like actually sat down to send out the brochures, I went through all the Boston people that I followed and, you know, made sure that they had a, a mailing address. Cause a lot of people these days don't have a mailing address. And if they didn't have a mailing address, I didn't really send them anything cause I figured they didn't want crap. But if they didn't have a mailing address and I thought that they were really, really great, I would send them a little email and say, Hey, here's my work. I have a mailer that I'd like to send you. Nobody ever actually sent me their address back, but in sending them that email, they just went straight to my website and was like, oh, cool, thanks, your work's great, or they just wouldn't say anything at all. So mm -hmm. um. so, so, what was the result of, this is a lot of work, yeah. right? Like, this is a lot of work. All the, the, the hours putting together the brochure and the hours combing through hows and yeah. the hours, uh, you know, handwriting all the letters and all that kind of stuff. What was the end result? I ended up getting a gallery because I sent them, I also sent them to art consultants and then I decided I was going to send them to some galleries too. I might as well. So I got a gallery in New York City. I got a gallery in the Hamptons. I got a piece included in a show at a gallery in Washington, D.C. And I made contact with a lot of interior designers who responded thank you. We will keep your art in mind. Um, I got, uh, two, two sales from an interior designer out of the deal so far. Um, what else? Oh, I got picked up by a couple art consultants who, you know, they just, they said, great, we like your work. We'll keep your images on stock. So I, it, it was, it was really good exposure. And I feel like I'm only, reaching like the tip of the iceberg with getting myself exposed to places because it takes time. Like you don't automatically send a brochure to an interior designer. Typically they don't 
say, oh, I have the perfect client for you right now. Usually it's like they see your work, it's in the back of their mind, and maybe a month or two later, a year later, they'll have somebody that wants something like what I'm doing, you know, or for, for any artist, like what they're doing. Um, so it, it really got my work out there. And it's also, you know, it's the first step. Like I plan on doing this again and finding other venues of, of marketing myself and just getting my name out there. And, and I also have like, now I have a really big mailing list because everybody I sent a brochure to, I put their email address into, you know, my Gmail account. And when I send out my mailers, I only send out a couple emails a year. Um, but I'll send it to them to remind them, Hey, I'm still here. I'm still doing stuff. And then they're not questioning, Oh, who's this person sending me this random email? Like they'll see my name and hopefully if they like my work, they'll open it up, open my email up and see that I'm still out there and making new stuff. So it was a good way to just connect with interior designers as well. Nice. Yeah. Those are some pretty good results, you know, getting into yeah. a handful of galleries, getting some art consultants and designers to acknowledge your work and say they like it and, and getting a few sales. That's fantastic. Yeah. And congratulations. It, thank you. Yeah. It was definitely worth it. And, you know, I would tell anybody to do that because it is a, just a really good way to get your work out there. But also be, you know, the, I think the most important thing is to keep in mind who you're sending the work to. Like I would go onto gallery websites and they would have really specific requests of how they want artists to apply. A lot of galleries only want you to apply online. Maybe one or one or two months a year. Do they have, do they accept submissions for their gallery? A lot of galleries aren't accepting submissions and I'm not going to waste my time sending them a brochure. They're probably just going to throw it away and not even look at it because they probably get really inundated with artists sending them stuff. And that's why they say no. Um, and I want to respect that. And I don't want them to see my name and associate it with this person solicits me on, mm -hmm. you know, so I was really careful and I was really careful about picking galleries and picking interior designers where I thought my artwork would fit. Because yeah. again, I didn't want to send my stuff to somebody that does, you know, really fancy, baroque, classical interior design that wants, you know, traditional landscape paintings or, you know, very representative figurative work. That's my work's abstract. It's a little funky. It's, you know, kind of fits in with the sort of mid-century modern, modern architecture. Um, so I was looking for designers that uh, did the kind of work where I felt my art would fit in a home right. that they're designing. And, and as far as uh, art consultants, the nice thing with art consultants is they're probably the one people that have a really broad spectrum of artists with many different styles because they're not catering to, to you know, a specific type of client. They're catering to a bunch of clients. So... Um, I, I sent my art to every, or my brochure to every art consultant <laughs> that, nice. that I could find. So yeah. I'm sure they get a lot of those too. Yeah. All right. So, um, shifting gears just a bit, Kelly, you were up until recently, the president of an organization here in Portland called Portland Open Studios. 
Correct. Why don't you tell us just briefly what Portland Open Studios does, and then we'll talk a little bit about your experience there. Okay. Um, Portland Open Studios is a self-guided tour of about 100 working artist studios in the Portland area, and it happens two weekends in October. Um, It is a really great opportunity for artists to meet other artists and to get a little following. And it's really fun for the people who go on the tour. Um, I moved here in 2005, and when I was in a space where I had a studio, a friend recommended joining Portland Open Studios, and I didn't even know what it was. I got accepted, and I went. They have two workshops a year. I went to the first workshop, and and was just was blown away by being in a room full of a hundred artists. Like I'd never met that many artists. (laughs) in my life and it was really great and everybody was super friendly. Um, and the best part is the organization makes you volunteer because it's, it's totally run by the artists. And, um, that was, that was really good for me. I chose to be on the publicity committee cause I thought I could learn something about, you know, marketing my own artwork. So that was, that was a, I was my being. I was being a little sneaky. I was like, "Oh, if I'm on the publicity committee, I can learn about <laughs> publicity, and that's what every artist needs." So, right. Um, I became really good friends with the gal Bonnie Meltzer, who was doing the publicity at the time, and I just I really liked her. So I mentioned, you know, if I get in again next year, I want to be on your committee, and I, you know, I'd like to help out even more. And she said, "Well, why don't you join the board?" And I was kind of looking for something to be involved in, so I joined the board, and everybody on the board was stepping down that year, and it just kind of fell into my lap that, like, oh, we don't really have a president, and if you kind of don't take this over, then the organization might not continue. So I was like, well, I'll be president until somebody else wants to be. And so I was president for about two and a half years till I had to step down, and um, it was it was really fun. It was a, it's a really really great organization. Yeah, that sounds, I mean, it sounds awesome. And I, and I actually spoke for Portland Open Studios, one of their workshops last year before uh, I went to Europe and it was good. You know, I met a lot of awesome artists, a lot of people who are really doing some, some great things. Uh, and I think an organization like that is really vital to any, to, to any group of artists anywhere. It can be really, really helpful. Um, I know a lot of the people listening to this are, young artists and young in their careers where maybe they don't know very many other artists. So finding an organization like this wherever they live yeah, would be really great. And if there, if it doesn't exist, putting something together like this could be really valuable Absolutely. To, to you and to the other artists in the area. And it's a great way for you to network and for you to uh, help, other, help other people out. Absolutely. I, I have a friend who lives in Salt Lake City and they don't have something like that. And I was like, you know, it wouldn't be hard to put something like this together. I mean, Portland Open Studios, when I joined, I think it was about in its 10th year. So it had grown. But to do something like if it's, you know, if you're in a city, especially if it's a smaller city too, where you don't, there's, there isn't something like that in place. It's, it wouldn't be too hard to put a call out on Craigslist like, hey, I'm looking for, you know, 50 artists that would be interested in doing an open studios tour. Give yourself about a year. You know, don't think, oh, I want to do this next month. Let me find some artists. Give yourself some time. 
to find the artist, talk about what you want it to be, and then just start doing some publicity for it and getting, you know, getting a map together. And, um, it, we had, we were, ours was pretty involved because we had a hundred artists. We printed a really beautiful calendar that was the tour guide. So that took a lot of working with a graphic designer. And then, you know, we spent a lot of the money from the sales of the tour guide went to all the publicity. Uh And so we got ads out in the paper, our publicity, lady Bonnie Meltzer I, I just have to give a shout out to her she was amazing like she lived and breathed Portland Open Studios and got the word out everywhere um, we did a lot of art festivals we got our brochures to be sold in you know new seasons our local grocery store and, and different venues it, it, we really got the word out uh, newspaper ads articles written about us. I mean, she really worked hard to try to spin it in every angle. And, and I feel like that was, you know, to the extreme, if you're just starting or if you're in a smaller community, there are more grassroots ways where if you want to keep the cost pretty low. And now that there's like online apps and online stuff, you could just throw a map up online and, or have it, have it be downloadable, um, whatever you're comfortable with, but you, but you can make it be relatively inexpensive if you don't have the money to put into doing the advertising where we luckily by the 10th year Portland open studios was generating enough money from the sales of the tour guide that it could invest in advertisement and stuff. So, right. You know, usually on this podcast and on my blog, we spend a lot of time talking about social media, Facebook Mm -hmm. and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. I really love this conversation today because it shows that there's a whole world of other things that you can be doing and all of this marketing sort of pulls together into one larger force, right? Yeah. Uh, so thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with us and, and talk about Portland Open Studios and about your mailer and the other things that you've done. Uh, congratulations on your own success. Thank it's really you. It's very exciting for you, I'm sure. It's it's. Been a, it's been a really good summer. <laughs> and uh, it's, nice. it's nice to like, okay, I kind of got this marketing thing underway. And I spent a couple months really heavily invested in that. And now I feel like I can take a month or two off and just kind of focus back on the painting and have a little bit of fun again. So Nice. Well, Kelly, thank you so much. Do you have anything else to add for the artists listening? I don't, but, you know, if anybody has any questions, they are welcome to email me, you know, especially on building a mailer or starting an open studio (laughs) tour. It's, it's definitely, I really encourage, especially younger artists who are just getting started to definitely take advantage of open studios and any arts organization that gets you involved with other artists. Cause I think it really helps to be with people who, know how crazy your life is being an artist and Uh and 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 I find you know I was really intimidated I guess this will be my last thing I have to say I was really intimidated when I first entered the art world as an artist and you know didn't know what to expect from other artists and and was you know was afraid they would be mean to me (laughs) (laughs) and I found it to be at least here in Portland quite the opposite like the the artists here that I've met, the working 
artists, the actual like living, breathing, working artists are the nicest, most helpful, sharing, giving, you know, kindest people really, we all want everyone to succeed. And, and so getting out there and meeting some artists that can just kind of help you along. And even, even when it's just to answer a technical question, <laughs> like, Hey, how do you clean your brushes or whatever? Something silly like that. Like it's just, it's really nice. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. And you. Uh, you have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thanks a lot for listening to the Abundant Artist Podcast. If you want access to the resources mentioned in this episode and the show notes, go to theabundantartist.com slash podcast 14.